You are listening to Counseling Over Coffee, a Redeemer Counseling Group podcast. Whether you are listening via Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or directly from the website, we would love for you to rate and review us. For more information about Redeemer Counseling Group, you can go to www.redeemercounselinggroup.com. And now, here is Cherie for some Counseling Over Coffee. So I'm finally here at the first episode of Counseling Over Coffee. It's been so fun to connect with some of you over email or especially on Facebook. Your encouragement, seeing your names, um, seeing your likes on the page has meant a lot to me. And I want to thank you for that. I look forward to connecting with those of you I know even more in the future and then others that I don't know. I look forward to connecting with you as well. I'd love to hear from you on Facebook at Redeemer Counseling Group, or you can find contact information on our website at www.redeemercounselinggroup.com. So this has been a long process of getting convinced to start a podcast. And I'm grateful to my kids and a close friend in particular for talking me into this. I'm excited. I'm nervous. I'm eager to get going. And I really appreciate you joining me as I sit here in my little home office in Orlando, Florida at dusk, which is my favorite time of day. So to start off, I want to introduce myself a little bit. I know some of you know me, but a lot of you don't. So I thought I'd start off this podcast by introducing myself and telling you why I'm doing this and explain why this podcast is called Counseling Over Coffee. Oh, and I want to keep these episodes to about 20 minutes to not take up a lot of your days. So here we go. I've been married to Benny, my high school sweetheart for nearly 50 years. It's crazy. It's crazy to hear myself say that, but we've been together since we were 16 years old and we're one of those high school romances. We got married when we were 18 and we've been in pastoral ministry for most of those years. After struggling for several years in our marriage with infertility, we ended up having seven miracle kids. That wasn't the plan for us, but that was God's plan. Six of our kids are biological and one is our adopted sweetheart. The kids are in their 20s, 30s, and even 40s, dare I say that, and have given us 18 of the most adorable grandchildren on the planet, ranging from little Warren, who's about nine, 10 months at this point, and Kayla, who's 20. Thankfully, we all live near one another in Orlando, which means I do a lot of cooking and babysitting and overnighters with groups of the grandchildren, which are all the things I love to do most in my life. My husband, Benny, is also one of the pastors of Redeemer Church here in Orlando, so my life is pretty crazy and can get really busy, but I truly love it, or most of the time, anyway. Over the decades, Benny and I 
have experienced, as you can imagine, in almost 50 years of marriage and, you know, 40, almost 43 years being parents, a wide range of blessings and heartaches, some of which we didn't think pastors' families should ever encounter. I'm not sure what we were thinking, but in our early years, we assumed that raising kids in the church with what we believed were biblical principles and even choosing to home educate them would prevent our family from dealing with a lot of hard stuff. But over the years, we've learned that suffering is normal and common among people. We all go through suffering. We all encounter hardships. And just because we feel like we do all the right things, all the right ways, doesn't mean that we're not going to suffer. Over the years, we've gone through a lot of stuff. And um, we've walked through some weighty and traumatic heartaches, especially over the last 20 years. But let me go back to the mid-70s when Benny and I were a young couple. Uh, we didn't have any kids yet, but Benny had been in youth ministries for several years. And at this time, we heard about a new Christian counseling movement that started in the late 1960s. And we were really intrigued because Benny's church history background let us know that for the first nearly 2,000 years after Jesus came, Christians look to the Bible to diagnose and provide solutions for human problems and even for suffering. But something happened in the late 1800s when Freud, I know that's a name we all recognize, introduced categories of mental health and even mental illness. Over time, these categories slowly replaced biblical categories—excuse me, <clears throat> categories of the fall and human suffering. Secular views slowly infiltrated the church, and while much of the research and diagnostic tools that the secularists have provided and still provide to us are helpful, care for the soul lost any emphasis on God, sin, or the need for a savior as the source of healing and hope and change. So back to the late 70s, where Benny and I come in, a young couple with two little children starting a church in Fairfax, Virginia, full of mostly other young couples with little children. And we had all grown up either outside of the church or in traditional churches where we didn't really experience the kind of community and connection that we read about in the New Testament. So we were all trying to figure out how to be adults, first of all, and then how to build a church that cared well for one another. A biblical counseling pioneer, you may have heard the name, Jay Adams, wrote a book called Competent to Counsel. We started reading this, and it set us on this really interesting new path. We saw how much of what we now call counseling could happen within the context of our young and small church. Counseling, 
I'm not talking about counseling that's reliant on professionals and formal counseling sessions in an office, but on average, ordinary Christians who long to help each other grow and to get through the challenges of life. Now, let me say this. While we don't ascribe to how Adams seemed to simplify the process and the rate of change and we don't agree with every single thing in that book, just like we don't, none of us agree with everything we read in any book, right? But God used him to kind of take our face in his hands and say, let's get back to the church and scripture being a place of hope and change in people's lives, including ours. Let's not prematurely punt this proverbial football to a secular professional. And I'll be frank with you. At the time, Benny and I thought professional counseling had no place in the life of Christians. We worked through our issues by either hiding them or looking to friends for help and advice or family for support when we were troubled. We have so many memories of going over to friends' homes, distraught or confused after a conflict that Benny and I just had, or sitting around in somebody's backyard around a bonfire, just talking with other couples, trying to figure out how to love and train our kids. And those times were genuinely helpful as we applied the things we were learning from scripture, from friends with more experience than we had, or the early biblical counseling materials we were getting, we realized that living in community with others who really knew us gave us real help and hope when we needed it. And and we grew and we changed during those years. But as our church and family started growing we became increasingly concerned that we just didn't have the training or the personal tools to deal with chronic sin and suffering, not only in our own lives, but in the lives of some of the people we loved and were in our church. Benny had attended his first Christian counseling conference in 1974. Then fast forward 10 years later, we got to attend the first How Do I Change conference with Dr. David Pallison from the Christian Counseling and Educational Foundation. And I've been recently reflecting on this. It is really hard to explain the impact this conference had on us. And we started devouring all the resources we could find from CCEF to help us and to help others understand why we do and say the things we do and say. How much was personality or even upbringing or even our personal preferences or sin or suffering? We just wanted to answer that question, how do I change? And we started learning that the Bible really does provide what we need to change and grow in the context of a community of people, the church. Then, 
beginning in the late 1990s, a page turned in our lives. A series of really hard family and church crises sent us reeling. We were desperate. We felt more desperate than we ever had. And we turned to CCEF for marriage counseling from one of their staff counselors. At the same time, I had already decided to enroll in their online school for counseling courses, not only for Benny and I to grow, but also to grow in caring for others with more compassion and more skill and more understanding of the complexities of suffering. Honestly, the courses that I've completed over the past, let's see, it's been 10 years now. Wow. These courses that are designed to help Christians learn to counsel and care well for others have mostly been used by God to change me. And I look forward to sharing about some of those changes in the podcast to come. I'll tell you, I had no intention of counseling others at the, at the time, not formal counseling. I just needed help with the pain and heartache I was facing. And honestly, unhealthy ways I was trying to manage my suffering. And if Benny was here, he would tell you that he benefited for the same reasons. Perhaps you'll be tuning into this podcast because like us, while you agree that some hurting people absolutely need professional or experienced help when life gets really hard, most of us will never speak to a licensed therapist. So my question is, have you, have you ever spoken to a licensed therapist to help you? Studies from a few years back show that less than 10% of Americans, that's one in 10, have ever met with a therapist or professional counselor. And that percentage is even less for evangelical Christians, partly, I'm sure, due to the stigma uh, of seeing a professional counselor that remains in the church. But life happens, and we all encounter weighty disappointments in our lives and relationships. And sometimes those struggles elevate to a place of crisis when people feel trapped and the people in our close circle just don't know how to help us. Or maybe we don't want to entrust our depression or our panic attacks or our toxic patterns to someone we don't know well, someone who may not keep our confidences or have the wisdom to help us. So one in 10 of us turns to a professional. Benny and I are among that small percent of Christians who became desperate enough to reach out for formal counseling. And being counseled by a wise and compassionate and experienced CCEF staff counselor, combined with taking course after course after course on common problems and procedures in counseling, 
the essential qualities of an effective counselor, and even getting to observe one of their staff counselors care for a single woman battling same-sex attraction. All of this was a double blessing in our lives and in our ministry. But I'll be honest with you, even though I've experienced a decade of training as a formal counselor who has also received professional counseling, I am more convinced than ever that the vast majority of people can be effectively helped by a wise and caring friend. Some really do need the counsel of trained professionals, especially when mental illness or trauma, abuse or addiction or chronic patterns of suffering and sin are involved. But as I sit here in the office where I provide formal counseling to numerous individuals and couples, I am more aware than ever of the effectiveness of Christians having what Paul called the same care for one another. Formal counseling has really helped Benny and me. I don't know where would we, excuse me, where we would be without it. It's helped us to heal and to grow from the trauma and unhealthy patterns of our past, but informal counseling that happens in the everyday lives of friends or or church members or family has also contributed to God changing us in some really powerful ways. So that's why Counseling Over Coffee was born in my heart. Long before I ever received training in formal counseling, I spent a lot of years with friends, and some of you might be listening and you know who you are, who helped me understand the impact ordinary Christians can have in each other's ordinary lives. My couch is well-worn with teenagers and single adults and newly married couples and suffering people who came to me for what they thought was the need for advice, which honestly, I was far too willing to give back in those days. But I slowly am learning that what people most often need is a friend to listen, to demonstrate compassion, to pray and ask good questions and come alongside them to explore what God is doing in our lives together. Now, what does that mean? And what does that look like? I hope you'll join me in future podcasts to explore this journey one step at a time. The truth is you are a counselor. I was a counselor years before I started formal training. We all have people in our lives who need support and help. People who come to us. It might be over text or email or in the lobby at church or maybe at a small group meeting or on the sidewalk with a neighbor in front of our house. People who are upset or angry or sad or fearful or who've been betrayed, friends who are in miserable miserable marriages or hate their jobs, right? I mean, we all have these people in our lives, couples 
who don't know what to do with a toddler who's throwing tantrums. You know, that was me at one time with one of my children. Or a teen who you just found out smokes pot. And we all give them counsel on some level, whether it's helpful or it's not, whether it's good or it's bad. We don't call it counsel, do we? And that's fine because we're essentially doing ministry and friendship, not counseling. I'm going to talk more about that in another podcast about even how the word counsel and counseling has changed in definition over the last 150 or so years. But the truth is what we say to people who trust us with their hearts and their hurts means something or they wouldn't have told us what they're going through. When I use the phrase informal counseling, I'm just using the word the scriptures use when the Spirit of God spoke to us through Paul in Romans 15, 14, which says, I myself am satisfied about you, that you yourselves are full of goodness, filled with all knowledge and able to counsel one another. Now, who was Paul talking to? Was he talking just to the clergy? Was he talking to the religious leaders? No, he was talking to the average Christian in the church in Rome. How we provide the kind of help those around us really need is the question. How do we help people have the eyes to see themselves and their circumstances with hope? Help that isn't premature advice that just tries to fix them, but compassionate and patient care that creates a a partnership of mutual care between us and them that helps us just as much as it helps them because we're all called to counsel and care for each other according to this passage. And that starts with that intimidating call to be filled with goodness and how we treat each other, especially those who are hurting. So I hope you'll join me on the couch in my office for more episodes of Counseling Over Coffee. I look forward to sharing some of my journey with you.